Is your customer acquisition funnel rock solid or are the cracks starting to show? In this episode, we dig into some of the mistakes companies make when it comes to customer acquisition. We'll dive deep into the missteps you might be making, the impact it has, and how you can fix it. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I am your host today, Mallory Kuhn, and today I am chatting with Chris Dubois. So hi there, Chris. How are you today? I am great, which is a little less better than swell, but that's okay. <laughs> We've dropped from our last episode we recorded. Um, so um, uh, it's great that you've dropped down a little bit because we're talking some negative stuff today. Uh, we are talking about the mistakes um, that people might be making um, related to customer acquisition. So um, let's start really simple. Um, how do you define customer acquisition as it pertains to B2B marketing? So, um, you know, I always like to do this where it's like I separate out what is a part of customer acquisition and what is not. Like, where is that line? So there are so many different directions we can take this. I'm just going to say it is a process of gaining new business customers. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You'll be here all week, right? (laughs) It includes everything, right? Uh, From identifying who we should be targeting to attracting them to converting all these potential customers into paying customers. And so there's a lot of different activities that you can package in here. Um, Anything around lead generation is going to fit the mold. Uh, Your content marketing, your advertising, right? Uh, Sales outreach for your company, even like even stuff that's not inbound. Um, the the only things that we're really not looking at here are retention and upselling. Okay. Like everything else pre like all of your marketing, all of your sales up to that, up to getting them to have a transaction, um, I would bucket into customer acquisition. Excellent. Well, and just to kind of give our audience, um, you know, I think a lot of our, our listeners have a general idea of your experience in, in the area of B2B marketing, but um, just, you know, why should we listen to you, right? What does your experience look like related to customer acquisition? Good question. Why <laughs> should you listen to me? My kids ask that all the time. And unfortunately with my kids, I can't tell them, well, I help clients with building great websites. I mean, you could. I don't know if it would work customers. for them. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They just tell me I should put more unicorns on them, Um, (laughs) which who knows? Maybe that's the secret. But yeah, we work with B2B companies, uh, generally in tech and SaaS, and and we're just helping them build their websites and conduct growth marketing services so that we can acquire more customers. The big thing, man, so I was at a a conference, uh, this was months ago now, but one of the big like revelations they had within this this entire conference was um, that you should be selling the call, right? As a from marketing on your website, you shouldn't be looking at how do we sell our product and service? Like, no, just sell a call with sales. And it was like, they said this, like it was something super profound, but we've been doing this for years. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm not, I'm not saying that to like just toot our horn, but it was like, I thought that was common knowledge, right? Your opportunities, the best companies in the world, are the ones who can get meetings on the books. 
right? It doesn't matter if you have the greatest sales force ever. If they can't actually get a meeting, they can't sell anything and stuff. And, and you could have a sales rep with terrible sales skills, right? But as long, but blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, right? Like they're going to close one of those deals at least. But like, so really that one piece is booking the calls, like getting people on the books. And even as you're talking, like every meeting is a sales meeting. And so like, it's not just, hey, now they're a customer. It's like, once you do get into like retention and upsells, every call you are reselling your brand and and working that. So um, anyways, we went on a bit of a bit of a side quest there, but uh, we got the gold. So uh, coming back, that is my experience. B2B companies, helping them, helping them acquire co- customers by getting more people in the hands of sales so they can have one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, maybe we've, we're kind of touching on a little bit of the, the, the question I wanted to ask next, which is um, some kind of high-level misunderstandings about customer acquisition. So, you know, in the, you've worked with many, many clients. Um, what are some of the things that maybe clients have been surprised to find out about customer acquisition or just a misunderstanding that they've had? Yeah, so I'm going to use two. First one is by far the biggest relying too heavily on one source of, mm. of traffic engagement, you know, you name it. Uh, all it takes, you, you can have the best SEO website with all the best content. And if Google changes their algorithm, they change their opinion, right? Someone or a developer at Google sneezed and hit the <laughs> wrong keystroke. Like now all of your traffic goes right. away and it's just like, that's it. Like it, you, you're not going to acquire customers yeah. now. And like, and that your entire company just is at a standstill. all your eggs were in that one basket. Yeah, it's, a, it's an idiom for right. a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. And so you really need to look at other marketing channels. And this doesn't mean use all of them because that's right. not going to work. It's pick the ones that are the most valuable for, your, for you and your target audience to be on. And then do everything you can to turn that all of the, that audience into your owned traffic. Like you want, like get them on your email list. That's really the, the one place that like you own that. No one else is going to like, you can have some deliverability issues with your emails, but like you right. own it. So like get them, get their names and you can start marketing to them. If LinkedIn says, Oh, shadow ban or whatever they call it. Right. Or just an algorithm change again, or Instagram, same thing. TikTok, same thing. Right. Like you, even with ads, they can just shut down entire ad accounts because someone reported you for using a word they didn't like. Even if you didn't actually use that word or something, if someone makes a claim and reports it, there's still a chance you get shut down until the investigation's over. Now you're not producing revenue while that's happening. And so, like, you cannot rely on a single channel. You need to spread it out and make sure that's working. So, that's number one. Can't, can't state that enough. Like, don't do that. Um, then the next one, less so of a mistake, but something to definitely keep in mind because I don't think a lot of people are thinking about this. And it's the the idea that customer acquisition stops at the sale. Right now, I know I just talked about how like customer yeah. acquisition is everything up to the sale. But when you do, once you make that sale, keeping that customer happy, separate from the retention side, right? Just delivering on your promises and all that helps with building your reputation. The more happy clients you get, the bigger your reputation gets. Something we have noticed working with dozens and dozens of companies is that those who prioritize building their reputation, getting reviews, getting testimonials, 
see far, far quicker yeah. growth than the companies who don't. Even if that company has like great service, they're doing all the right things like to help their clients, they're getting great results. If they're not getting those testimonials, building it up where people can see the social proof that says working with you is awesome. If you don't have that, you're going to struggle. And so if you're talking, how can we, like what mistakes are we making in customer acquisition? It's I don't have a, a reputation around my brand that I can use as a leverage point in order to get more customers. So yeah, boom, one and two. Don't rely on channels uh, or on a single channel and then make sure you're helping doing the right things to get, get that yeah, reputation. Make sure built. you follow through. And that's one thing I was thinking about when you were talking about how it ends with the sale. It doesn't, but you know, in the initial definition, the mm-hmm. very high level one uh, was, you know, what about referrals and all those things, right. That, that can contribute to, to more customer acquisition that, that come after the sale. Um, so I think it's great that, that you yeah. included that. Um, so let's dive a little more into kind of some more specific uh, challenges, mistakes mm-hmm. that people uh, run into. So one mistake um, that I think uh, a lot of marketers may overlook, run into, is not clearly defining their target audience. Um, so, and by that I don't mean you know they have no idea who they're targeting, right? But just that they're not setting up. Uh, enough of, of, of a detailed, uh, you know, profile for that target audience. So how right. important is it to have a well-defined target audience? What are the consequences of failing to do so? It is the most important. So imagine, imagine going on a trip, right. And being told, Hey, meet me in New York city. Okay. <laughs> That's a pretty big Where? city. Right. But if I say, Hey, let's meet at the corner of 9th and 45th. Right now, you know exactly where to meet me. There's a pin on the map. Um, if it, Similar to this, right? If I tell someone uh, I market to small businesses. Like, <laughs> okay, like I guess I'm a small business or like maybe I don't even fit myself into that box. But if I say, hey, I market to hair salons. It's like now it's very specific, right? Like we know, like I, I can't argue I'm not a hair salon. Um, there's no, there's no wiggle room there, but like when you're talking small business or startup or, you know, whatever, right. like the lines can be kind of blurry between terms. those categories sometimes. Yeah. Right. And so the more generalized you are, the harder you become to find. And so it's similar to like the naming effect, right? So Mallory, if I use your name, you pay attention more. You're, you're going to hear it. You're going to see that name when you walk into like, uh, you know, you're on vacation, you walk into a little gift shop and you see those little like keychains that have names, like you're going to pick yours well, out real quick. Assume they ever right? have my name. <laughs> yeah. 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 They always like, have mine. Chris, so. You always find uh, yours, I bet. But so when you see your name, you pay more attention. And it's the same if, if in marketing, if I can speak more directly to your issues and call out the very specific issues, you're going to pay more attention. And so I would say if you cannot clearly define who your target audience is, right, and get like really specific so that they can actually hear themselves in your messaging, like they see their name, uh, you are leaving money on yeah. the table. Well, I think that's a great point because it's it might be easy to fall into the trap of, well, to get the most customers, I would want to make sure that my, you know, I'm speaking to the broadest possible audience, right? Um, and, you know, you can kind of see where the logic in that is. But that is not, you know, you want to be speaking more directly to a person because if you try to appeal to everyone, you'll end up appealing to no one. 
um, which is, yep. uh, I think that's a great point to make. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about some of the, the specific things in this target audience. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about buyer personas. Um, because I think creating that buyer persona is a really great way to get very granular to who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. What are they about? Uh, what are kind of some of the specific things about them? Let's uh, anthropomorphize this, uh, you know, concept into a person with a name yeah. that we can kind of really speak to. Um, so what are some key elements that B2B marketers need to consider when they're creating their buyer personas? Sure. So we generally put these into four buckets. So. One, you have your demographics, right? right? Simple stuff. Who are we? What's their age? What's where do they live? Like all of that type of stuff. Um, <clears throat> next, you have your your psychographics. This is where it gets really fun. This is like the the one you want to play in, right? How are they thinking? What problems do they have? What are they? Why are they here? Why are they, um, you know, wanting to to do all of this stuff? Um, then you have your your technographics. The um, with your technographics, you're now talking like what technology are they using on a daily basis that we can use to to do it. So like we as as Lean Labs work with companies who want to um, want to be on HubSpot or like they're comfortable being on HubSpot. And so one, you got to be making a certain amount of money as a company, right, to be able to get there. HubSpot's not cheap. Um, but uh, if they're like, no, we're only going to do WordPress. It's like, okay, well, you're only going to find another, right. another company to work with because like our systems are set for this. So it's important. Um, and then what's the last one? Firmer graphics. Um, just the things like your, your industry, right? Like the company level demographics. So like, what's our company size? What's our um, yeah. total revenue? Like, you know, what details like this that we actually want to look at. But if you just look at those and fill out like if our ideal client walked in what would they be you know what would they match on all four of these kind of quadrants and you'll be able to uh to identify what what you need you can shorten any yeah. of those gaps I love the the distinction between the demographics and the firmographics because I think the it, you know it is the difference between saying we target small businesses right or even if you get a little more granular right businesses with fewer than uh 50 employees right something like that um but you still you need to be speaking to a human. So who at that small business are you targeting? So it's kind of the difference between, right. you know, we target small businesses and we target uh, founders of local hair salons, right? You're you're talking to the mm-hmm. person. Um, and I think that that's, that's important and maybe something that people overlook. Right. Um, let's talk lead gen, uh, which is obviously a, an important part of customer acquisition. Um, what are some of the unexpected mistakes that B2B marketers are making regarding lead gen? Like what are some of the, some examples of, of mistakes you've seen or misunderstandings that people have? I think a lot of companies use the spray and pray approach to their marketing. They're like, let's just blast it out there and see what happens. Um, This is because they are prioritizing quantity over quality, right? I could bring in, 10 leads, but if none of them buy, it doesn't matter. If I bring in one lead, but he buys, we're on 100% success rate and we have made more money than the 10. And guess what? It also cost us way less to bring in one person than 10. And so, so on the biggest in lead gen is that, right? You can, you can build awareness and get your name out there 
and stuff. But like, if you're not targeting the right people, you're just putting out whatever you want, doing these random acts of marketing in hopes that you're going to maybe attract someone, right? Like, it's just not your, yeah, don't do it. Um, set up lead scoring on your site so you can continuously, as leads are coming in, right? And you start closing these deals, you can go back and you can look at all the criteria you had established and you can see how did they score, right? What criteria did they actually meet? So now you're just continuously doing, getting this information on, on the people who have actually given you money. So you can now take your ideal customer profile. Like that's what we're looking at, right? Um, we're working through some different concepts of having a cold customer profile, which is like the person as they come to you, as they're exploring ideas and they first hear of you, they're really, they're cold. The ideal customer profile is going to be a little different. And so like, we're, you know, how do we like bridge again? How do we turn someone from a cold person into that ideal? And really it's a lot of like mindset stuff that, that they would have, um, a lot of fun. You'll be able to see some trainings and stuff on that in the future, but uh, but doing lead scoring is a super easy way to be able to just go back and look at look at the stats, look at the numbers, and see how can I um, tweak any of my marketing messaging so that I'm getting really specific and I'm not just bringing in ten useless leads. Yeah, excellent. So we know lead gen's important, but it's not the be all end all. Um, you know, you got the follow up process after you generate those leads, right after you get their email address, all of that. Um, what are some common errors you've seen B2B marketers make when they're nurturing and trying to convert those leads into customers? Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the biggest one is not getting personal enough. Um, and we don't want to be creepy about <laughs> it, but we want to, we want to get, send personalized messages and it goes down to way more than just using their name, which, you know, obviously we talked about already, but like that's helpful right. to be able to show them their name but I really want to appeal to their interests. And the more bucketed and like segmented you can get your audience, the better. I was talking with a, with a guy who runs a, an email marketing deliverability company and they just do optimization for emails and things like that. None of his email lists for any of his clients perform lower than a 50% open rate. Wow. And the reason is because they get so specific on the segmentation strategy that every email someone gets from them is very targeted and is providing something of value. <clears throat> they never email the entire list at once, right? They, you need to have shown intent of some sort that says you're interested in this before I'm going to send you that email. And so, and like just talking with him, he said a majority of his, his list while they're smaller than what they could be doing, they're at like a 90% open rate. And then they have like a 50% click through rate. Wow. It's just like, any people want those types of numbers, yeah. But very few people are willing to do the work of segmenting down to the very, very specific, you know, topics and and offers and everything that people actually want to see. And so I would say step one for um, kind of the lead gen like follow up process is just get super specific. Like get as specific as you can, and then try to go another step. And I think you'll be there. Um, there's also improper like lead handling where you're going from marketing to sales. And so any information that marketing can hand over to sales to make the sales cycle easier is going to, is going to help. <clears throat> and so making sure you get all the right form questions built out so that when like annual revenue might be a super important question that we can cut down an entire week of our sales cycle just by asking that up front. 
and we might lose a couple of people who don't want to fill out the forums. They're not ready to share that information or something. But like if it cuts down a whole week, then when we look at sales velocity, which I think we've done an episode on mm-hmm. yep. um, right now, we can potentially double like increase our, our overall revenue just by that one little tweet. And so you got to kind of weigh, weigh the balance on all of those. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I feel like that was like more of a rant. Than no, that's <laughs> great. I feel like it's, I mean, this, this whole episode is, is honestly kind of a little bit of a rant, right? It's, it's meant to be, it's, you know, yeah, you've worked with a lot of clients. You, right, you've, but you have, you've worked with a lot of clients. You've seen a lot of the mistakes people make. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we're talking I've to you. Made them. <laughs> you've made them, right? And so now yeah. uh, our listeners get to have the gift of going second, as you like to say, right? Uh, they can learn from, from those mistakes and not make yeah. them. Um, so I want to jump to talk about social media a little bit. Um, we've touched on social media just in the in the you know, regardably, don't just rely on LinkedIn or, you know, choose one platform to, to rely on solely. Um, but, you know, social media platforms in general can offer, you know, some great opportunities for customer acquisition. Um, but of course, they also can lead to missteps. Um, I feel like I've seen a lot of people make mistakes um, regarding social media uh, efforts. So what are some of those mistakes that you've seen B2B marketers specifically make in the social media space? And what should people be doing? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm going to save my biggest one for last okay. on this one. We'll ramp up. I got, I got three. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So starting the smallest one, tracking ROI on the stuff you're doing on social media, right? Uh, if you're not doing that, it's going to make optimization harder. You got to be tracking some details. Uh, it could be as simple as like on LinkedIn. Here's a shout out for a tool. Uh, the Shield app, you just set it up. I think you can set up companies now with it as well. So you can just you can monitor everything. I have it set up so I can go look at my LinkedIn post, see which ones were performing, um, you know, over a given month, and I can now repurpose some of those because I know, hey, this is content people are engaging with, right? Like I can see three times as many people like this one as they did others. So now let me keep narrowing my content around this, um, and you can just get really good, you know, feedback by looking for different tools for all of those, like for whatever you're trying to do on there. Um, next one, the Brand voice. Um, we should have an episode out on that topic by the time this one goes live. Might not stay open to it. It's going to come out at some point. <laughs> um, but about building your brand strategy, because if you are not, uh, if you're not cohesive, right, and like you don't have this, you're not. If you're not congruent, where someone can go from like your social media to your website and feel like they're in the same place, right? If they like if it's like they got slapped and it's just a completely different experience, right? you're going to lose people. Well, they'll doubt if they've clicked so, on the right link, right? They right. might get just and completely They're going to bounce oriented, out. Right. Right. Have you been on one of those sites where it's like you're, you're trying to do something and when you click on the search button in the site or the go button, it like opens up another window to like some other advertisement yes. site? I just delete. I'm God. Yeah. I'm not playing I'm around. Like, okay, with, I can't find what all. I'm looking for. I'm out. Yes. Right. And so, yeah, generally that's how you're going to be viewed if you do that. But now, okay, the big, big one, one, drum roll. Um, don't sell in my messages. <laughs> so oh annoying. Yes, yes. So you can sell, but it needs to be a soft sale. If you connect with me and the very first thing you do is say, hey, can I interest you in this? The answer is no. It's just not going to work. Only one time 
has someone sent me a message where I'm like, oh, I actually need that right now. And I've had a conversation with them. I didn't buy, but it was like, but it was one out of, I would say well over a thousand at this point. I get, I get probably 10 to 20 a day because make, make the mistake of putting CEO or founder in your title and like people just blow you up. But if someone were to go comment on some of my posts, when I voice a frustration in one of my posts and they, they like it, they comment, Oh, sorry to hear that. You know, we've seen a lot of people doing that. This is what I would recommend. Right. And they just give some advice. I'm going to go check that person out. I'm going to go see, Hey, this person has an answer to the problem I'm having. Hey, can we chat? Right. Like, because I want this problem solved. Right. And then we start building an actual relationship and then you can, you can pitch. Yeah. Let's, we can jump on a call. I'm happy to help. It comes back right? to, and you're leading with to the very beginning, right? Where it's, you know, the, they are engaging with you as an individual and speaking to your actual challenges right. versus just scattershot sending the same message out to every person with whom they connect, mm-hmm. regardless of, you know, that specific person's um, challenges. And yeah, I, cause I, I don't get near near the number of sales pitches via LinkedIn DMs as you do, but even even I do as you know just a a, a lower level employee, and it is every time it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I connected with you. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. I thought you liked me. <laughs> I thought I, you just I wanted didn't think to you be wanted friends. Me for my money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. So. Let's talk metrics just really quickly. Um, so what are some of, well, first of all, let's start with the, the basics, like the metrics that you should definitely be looking at. Mm-hmm. And then I want to uh, pick your brain if there are any overlooked metrics, overlooked data points, you know, things that people don't right. usually consider uh, when they're looking at customer acquisition. Sure. So when looking at acquisition, uh, customer lifetime value is a big one because we we want to know when we bring this person into our company, right? As a paying customer, how much are they not just going to pay us this month, right. but over the, the average, right. Of their time. That's, that's with us. It could be a year, two years. Once you have, once you've been around long enough, you can start to actually track this data and get a better idea. Um, but if I know, Hey, average, I'm just going to use a year as for a simple, simple math here. Um, you know, if I know I'm going to make 10,000 bucks a month from this company over a year, uh, then I can pay more than 10,000 bucks to get them in the door because I can see that value on the, the tail end of this. But if you're only looking at how much that initial offer is going to be worth, you're going to be wanting to spend way less in order to get them in the door and you might actually miss some opportunities right. and you're not going to see that growth rate, which you really, ideally you want to get to like a four to one, five to one ratio for investments here. Um, so look at that. Look at your your cost per cost per acquisition per channel. So like, if I'm doing this on LinkedIn, how much does it cost me? If I'm doing search ads, how much does it cost me? Blog posts, right? You can do math on all of these and see how much is it costing me to actually do this so you know where to apply your investments. Um, conversion rates and stuff for, for your landing pages, site overall, looking at the conversion from MQL to SQL, right? Where's the drop-off? Or is it between SQL to opportunity, opportunity to customer? If you can identify where those conversion rates need the most help, then you know what you can actually like pinpoint where to do it. If it's from opportunity to customer, hey, we got to go talk to sales. Something with our sales process isn't doing it. MQL to SQL means we're getting people who are qualified in the door, but we're not getting them on the phone with right. sales. Like we're not getting them to book that initial conversation. So like that's where we need to apply our focus. So knowing that helps. 
Um, and the, yeah, I would say those are the big ones. Uh, but now if you, the stuff that people miss, um, your lead response rate is one, just how many people that you're, you're targeting are actually talking back, um, getting conversations. If your entire approach is reaching out to me on LinkedIn, you're not going to have a high right. response rate. Um, your sales velocity, right? Looking at that number, go watch that entire episode. Super good. If you look at all the metrics that are in there and you just work on improving one of them at a time, you are going to see tremendous in- improvements on how much revenue you're making, you know, in whatever given time period uh, that you're working with. Then uh, your customer retention and uh, and churn is something that uh, is often overlooked. If you If you are just bringing in people and you're getting them in the door and then right away they're leaving, they're done, you're bringing in the wrong people, right? Or your offer is wrong and you can fix that too. Maybe you do, you have a problem where you, you're like, you're set up as a SaaS, but people can come in and with a month get everything they need and they don't need to pay the subscription anymore. So they just drop off, right? So that's on you to just figure out why, why do we have so much churn, so much turnover and then address that. Excellent. I want to close out with an example. Um, so a real life example would be uh, perfect. If you have a company that you've worked with that was encountering some customer acquisition struggles, um, which I, I feel like that should be, that's a lot of the early stages, right? When, when someone comes to us, <laughs> that's a lot of the, yeah. the, the challenges that they're having. Um, but you know, how, how did they recover how did they course correct um and what lessons can we learn from their experiences mm-hmm. so two two things i'm not going to mention names right. so um one example we had a a customer who they were requesting people book calls but they weren't actually like selling the call right it was just like hey if you're interested book a call we can talk to us and it's going to be fun <laughs> And stuff. So instead, we created a very specific page that just shows the value that you can get from booking a call. Even if you don't work with us, here's what you're going to get, right? Just from talking. Um, we did a bunch of things. Uh, I mean, this is the approach we take with all of our, our clients. But now, uh, so we make that page and then we push everything to it, right? Every asset, there's no dead end on the website because they're all going to end at booking right. this call somehow even if you have downloaded a different lead magnet, right? That next, the thank you page is going to say, hey, thank you for downloading this lead magnet. Here's everything you got. We've already sent it to your inbox. This is only a small piece of the puzzle. Are you interested in booking a call to learn more? Um, and obviously that's a terrible. Right now, <laughs> it's but, the gist of it. Um, we did that. Um, but we did other things with one of our clients. We actually took a quote from someone, they service uh, small businesses. And just from the the phone call, 30 minute phone call with a sales rep, they saved $17,000 by realizing they did something wrong in their, in how they had their payroll set up. And so like, so that's a oh, quote, yeah. right? We threw that right on the page. Hey, book a 30 minute call because you can save this much money just by talking with us. And like, obviously that guy became a customer, right? Because he, yeah. he knows like, if I'm going to do this, uh, or I can save this much now, imagine later. But it was also the looking like, how can we show value that we're not just trying to sell? We're trying to actually help you, uh, you know, do the things you need to. So that's one. Uh, another one, we had an emerging brand that was struggling to get people to book a call because people didn't really understand the the value of what they were offering. 
it really like they were at like the front end of this new technology and it just it was hard for people to comprehend that this was even a potential solution because their brains weren't thinking that way and so what we would do even though we could show the numbers that proved out hey this is a better solution and everything it becomes hard now to get everyone in that company bought in that hey the this is the future let's go and so um, with them we actually created a challenge and we said hey use our our technology for half of your team for 30 days right we'll train them we'll get them to adopt the software they'll know everything they have to do and within those 30 days we're going to track these metrics and we will show you in your company how much money you could save you know just there and that's just with half your team now imagine the full right. team does it right and so it becomes an awesome selling point for for them and so we, they just launch this program and yet it pushes back the the revenue that you're going to generate now it's like a month but you're almost guaranteed to lock in customers and going back to that other example on that sales page where i said you know this guy saved seventeen thousand dollars now we can say hey we ran this test this challenge for seven ten companies right and it keeps growing saving an average of this much money right. per team member and that's thing you have those numbers like, now yeah Right. And why would someone not want to do that? We're almost guaranteeing the sale by letting them use their numbers and their team to see how it works. And so when you're talking like customer acquisition stuff like that, there's it's it's hard hard to prove things at times. But when you can use someone's their own company, their own team and their own revenue, right, to show what's possible. There's no reason for them not yeah. to work with you. It doesn't get more specific than that either. Right. For for speaking directly right. to someone. Awesome. I think those are great examples. I think that's, uh, you know, gives us some really uh, tangible uh, information to work with and, and things that people can try out. So I love it. Um, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about customer acquisition. Um, it's been great having you on. Yeah, that's great. So hopefully our listeners can take awesome. all these insights and they can see where their own gaps and missteps might be uh, in their own customer acquisition processes. So um, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe uh, so you don't miss our next episodes. Um, and also please take the time to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast application. Until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.